welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are continuing our series called I Didn't Ask For This. And for those of you that weren't here last week, um, I do want to let you know that this series was birthed out of the heart attack that I had this past December. And uh, for those of you that didn't know that, again, I'm doing great. I get asked all the time. Uh, I didn't realize how many people were praying for me in that whole moment, but I'm doing great. And this series was birthed out of that because I was thinking I didn't ask for this. I did everything right. I was exercising. I had lost weight. I had done all these things. I was even taking a cholesterol medicine, and I thought, this, I'm doing it all right, and then I still had the heart attack. And so there were so many lessons that I learned, and this series was birthed out of that. And just to get you caught up to speed, um, if you missed it last week, I basically said this, we're asking the wrong question when something bad happens to us. And we read John chapter 9, verse 3, I'll read it again from the message. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. And instead of us asking why, why, who's to blame, who can we sue? I mean, instead of asking those things, we're saying, God, how can you use this for your glory? What's this for? What are we going to do with this forward? How are we going to repurpose this and move it forward? And we're really saying, how can I glorify you with what I went through? How can I glorify you with what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, what I didn't uh, ask for and just came my way? Because you can do everything right and still have something bad happen to you. Now, another thought that I just want to reiterate again is that um, it's a key thought that we don't want to assign blame to people. In that chapter, uh, John chapter 9, people are saying, well, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? And, And I don't want us as a church to be assigning blame. No matter where people are, we're going to help lift them up. And there's a lot of different ways to lift them up. We're going to bring the love of God. We're going to bring relief. We're going to bring uh, care. And we're not going to ask them like, well, now, did you happen to do it this way or this way? Was it your fault or whose fault is it? We're just going to help people. We want to be a church that will lift people up and say, God, we want to help everyone any way that we possibly can. Now, um, we ran out of time and... um, I left off at, you know, God can bring good out of our pain and out of our struggle. And uh, so I want to pick it up there. And uh, I realize I could go as long as I want in a church service, but we do have multiple services and parking lot issues. And I kind of have a philosophy, always leave you wanting more. So uh, I do end and we kind of run that way. But I want to pick up on that. We said God can bring good out of our trial, out of our bad things, out of the things we didn't ask for. And I want to read it again in in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and then I want to read a verse that you're very familiar with, Romans 8, 28. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, as they went along, uh, Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? 
that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, I want you to hold that thought. This happened so that the works of God could be displayed in him. There's something bigger than this guy's sickness. God is able to be glorified in what's going on in our life, the things we didn't ask for. Now, here's another scripture that uh, many of us know right after John 3.16. I think this is one that many of us learn right away. It's kind of like you got to grab this one. It seems like if you're going to make it and you're going to hold on to things, this is one you want to memorize. And, and in Romans 8.28, it says, and we know that all things, that in all things, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I want to be very clear about this. It says in all things that God is, it can work good. He can work good in all these things. It doesn't say um, all bad things are good things. How many know that? Have you ever met a Christian like that? Something bad happens. They're like, oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad that happened. You're like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, hey, you got this. Ah, I'm just joyful about that. It's great. And you're like, well, it's really bad. No, it's not bad. And you're like, well, it is bad. And I know that God can turn it around for good. How many are glad that God is not asking us to walk around going, it's not bad, you know? How many know he's, he's saying, you could say that's a bad thing. But you could say, in this bad thing, something good can come from it, okay? And he's saying, we know that in all things, God's working something for our good. And, it's, and he's saying, this can be turned around. And what, he, what he, I really want you to grab is this, is that God is involved in your life in the good things and in the bad things, and he knows what's going on. And if a bad thing happens to attach itself to your life, God's still at work in whatever's going on. And he could take that bad thing and flip it around and use it for good. And I thank God for that. And I guess you can really grab assurance from that verse that says, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And I think we ask that, why, why, why? We're wondering, like, do you even know what you're doing? And he's like, I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to work all things. I'm going to work it around. I'm going to turn this around for good. You watch and see how I'm going to turn this around for good. But here's a problem with that scripture for us. How many know the way we like the word good and the way God likes the word good are different? And God's like, I'm working it around for, for my good. And we're like, yeah, I would, I, could you work it around for the way I like it? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm going to work it around for my good. And so there's a, a really big definition problem here. And we've got to realize it's for his good. He's working it out for our good, but for his glory. And ultimately, if we'll align with what he's saying, it's going to work for good in our life. Now, as we go into the struggles and the, the way that he can use it for his glory and he can turn it around for good, um, I just want to be very clear. Um, it's so important. If there is no God, here's just, if there is no God, how many know that struggles and bad things and pain makes no sense at all? It, 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 you could hardly move forward. If there is no God, it, it's like, if there is no God, then the suffering and all this, how could it be turned around for good? I mean, suffering just flat out stinks. And there's really, I would use a stronger word, but my mom's here. So I, it's just, suffering just, if you look at it, you're like, if there is no God, if there, how do you make sense of all this? And, and it, if there's no one working it for good, then what good is suffering? What good is this pain? What good is going on? And I want to say this, if it's all about God and if you're living your life for God's glory and for his honor, then in those bad things, there can still be something worked for good. 
But if you're living for your own self, if you're living for your own desires, if it's all about you and you're just wanting what you want, it really, it, it doesn't make sense. Here's the problem. A lot of us in church have treated God like he's a value add. We just value add him to our life. But he's everything. And when God is everything, all of a sudden everything can line up. And when you're in the midst of the pain, you can say, what's this for, God? How's this going to bring glory to you? When you're in the midst of the struggle, what's this for, God? How can I bring glory and honor to you? But if he's just your value add, if he's just there, like, you know, again, how many know that the church sometimes were like, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Because he can make your marriage better. He can help you with your money. He clears acne, heals your diseases. It's really good. You know, and if you'd like to add him in, you could. And it'd be a good addition to your life because you look like you just add this in. If you treat him like that, you get into suffering. You're like, where are you? What's going on? This makes no sense. Why? Why? You'll be asking all the wrong questions. But if you realize he's the pearl of great price and you sold everything for him and you're like, I'm for you. I realize I'm on this earth for your glory and for your honor. All of a sudden in the midst of the suffering, the pain, the trial, the tribulation, you could say, God, how can you bring this for good? How can this bring glory to your name, and it's all about God. He's not your value add, he's our everything. And so if he's our everything and we're serving him and living for him, here's something I need you to know. Um, he's working in you to look like him. He's working in you to look like him. He wants you to look like him. He wants you to look like Jesus. And so while you're serving him and while you're working for him and while you're loving him, he's wanting you to look more like Jesus. And I saw this illustration and I, I read it in a Charles Spurgeon sermon. He said, sometimes there's things that come to us in black envelopes and we want nothing to do with them because we don't like the way they look, but God has something for us in the black envelope. How many know all of a sudden something comes to us and, and it it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like a shiny, nice invitation. And it all of a sudden, it looks like trouble. Comes in a black envelope. You don't even want to open it. And Spurgeon was saying, hey, there's something that God has for you, and it's going to be really valuable, but you don't even want to open it because it looks scary. <laughs> and I will tell you this. I, 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 I don't like cheer on trials and struggles and tribulation, but I've been through them, and when I've been through them, I've learned so much, and I want to pass some of that on to you. Some of you may say, well, Pastor Rob, what kind of trials and struggles do you know? Um, and many of you know the story. You've been in the church for years. You've, how many know that pastors turn everything into a sermon illustration, you know? And you, you've heard it all, but um, I was born with a caved-in chest. Had to have major surgery when I was 11. That's a black envelope. Didn't ask for that. Genetically passed on to me survived it. My brother Roger was in a head-on collision. He was a passenger. Wasn't even driving. He didn't ask for it. Depressed uh, skull fracture, broke his neck, had to go through rehabilitation. My dad died of cancer. Didn't ask for that. We have been betrayed in my life many times. Didn't ask for that. Had a son born with autism. Didn't ask for it. Black envelopes. Becca's battled anxiety, and she shares about that in women's ministry. She didn't ask for that. We've had alcoholism and prison and abuse in our family, in our extended family. Didn't ask for that. Black envelopes. Logan was born with strep B and stopped breathing. And for 10 days, he was in ICU. And I can remember saying, I didn't ask for this. I mean, we had so many different things. Um, had my heart attack. Didn't ask for that. 
These things come to you and they come in black envelopes. And I'm telling you something, there's something that God can be glorified, glorified in the black envelopes of your life. He can. He, he's saying, I can work all things. In all these things, I can work for good. It's going to glorify me. Just watch what I can do with the black envelopes of your life. And I want to just give you a few ways that God can get glory. The first one is this. How many know the easiest one? It's right there in John chapter 9. God can get glory if you get healed. If you get healed, all of a sudden that's like glory to God. It's like his power on display in your black envelope of that disease that you never wanted to know. And all of a sudden you get healed and God gets glory in it and, and the whole world takes notice of it. And in John chapter 9, the guy's healed and it's for God's glory. And the guy's giving testimony to what Jesus did. And there's something bigger going on than the black envelope that that guy was given. But I've learned this about healing. Healing is good for a moment and for a group. Get this. Healing is good for a moment and for a group, but the people disconnected from the moment and disconnected from the group don't believe the healing. How do I know that? I tell people, our son was healed of autism, and they're like, well, what kind of autism? Yeah. And I tell them, well, are you sure? Was it medically verified? Well, yeah. You know, well, are you sure? And how many know in the moment for the group and the moment, it's incredible. But outside the group and the moment, sometimes there's a skepticism there. And I've learned this um, uh, about healing, that, that God is glorified in the moment for a group, but it's still part of his plan to be glorified. He's showing himself powerful. And we thank God for every healing. And I want to let you know, we're actually going to do a series on healing coming up, a three-part series following this series on healing, because I've learned something else. In, in the hospital, I was learning this. God was sharing with me about sprint faith and marathon faith. Okay, in the moment of a heart attack, man, you need sprint faith. You need to get healed right now. It is beat the clock, okay? But how many know there's other diseases, there's other things that are going on. It's not beat the clock, it's outlast the calendar. I mean, sometimes you beat the clock, sometimes you outlast the calendar, and there's different kinds of faith. Sometimes you need it right now or it's over, and sometimes you need to hold on and keep going and fighting and fighting and fighting. And I even think that's part of what Jesus was talking about. Like, some of these things are not, but by prayer and fasting, like, that's a marathon faith thing. You think it's going to happen like that. And he's like, sometimes it happens in a sprint, but there's other times it's a marathon. Don't give up. Don't give up. So we're going to talk about that. But God is glorified in healing. And so in our black envelope that you get sent to your life, pray for the healing. That might be God's answer for him to be glorified. Another thing that happens, God can be glorified in the things you didn't ask for, in the pain and the suffering and the trial. When you stay faithful in the things you didn't ask for. When you stay faithful and all of a sudden you're like, God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the apostle Paul is asking for his thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. He said, I'd love for that to be removed, God. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And he's saying, you know what? In the midst of my struggle, in the midst of holding my black envelope, I'm going to make God look good. God's going to give me grace. God's going to give me strength. God's going to give me the ability to press through this, and I'm going to endure and be faithful. How many know that everybody loves God when they're winning? 
<laughs> Even Floyd Mayweather. Did you notice that the other day? If you don't know, Floyd Mayweather, they said, why do you box? And he's like, well, I box for money, and I box for me, and I box for my legacy. And after the fight, he's like, I just want to thank God. You know, and he's all happy. But how many know he's not holding a black envelope, he's holding a big paycheck, right? You know, 100 million, 180 million dollars. Everybody loves God when they're holding the check for $180 million. But what about a black envelope? What about the black envelope where somebody's saying, hey, guess what? In the midst of my battle, I'm losing my hair. In the midst of the battle, I'm, I'm losing my strength. In the midst of my battle, in the midst of my black envelope, I got nothing financially. I have lost it all, but I thank God. And I want to say thank God for getting me here. How many know it's a big difference holding a black envelope versus a big paycheck? And the world will take notice and God's glorified. And even if they think you're crazy, I'm telling you what, when you glorify God with a black envelope, you say, even though he slay me, I will serve him. I'm telling you what, they may laugh at you, but when they go home at night, they're thinking, how in the world does he praise God with a black envelope? How does that, how does she make it? I'd be a basket case. And the Holy Spirit has something to work with when you're praising God holding a black envelope. I'm just telling you, that's the way it works. Every day the calendar flips. Every day the calendar flips, you shine brighter for God, and God is glorified. Tear another month off. Tear another month off and hold your black envelope. Pray for the healing, but thank God and stay faithful. Stay faithful. Third way, God's glorified. Um, God's glorified because you live deeper and look more like Jesus. We talked about that. God's forming you into his image. And in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 7, he says, In all this, in these struggles, you rejoice greatly, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying, hey, it's showing your faith is genuine, and when Jesus is revealed, it's going to show that you really were formed into his image. You went through the fire. You went through that. You went through the black envelope, and God was just shining forth through you. It was an amazing thing. Isaiah 48.10 says, see, I have refined you, though it's not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. He's like, I've tested you. I've refined you. You're looking a lot more like God, and you're going to make it. I believe you can learn more in one hour of holding a black envelope than years and years of Bible study. In one hour, in one hour in that hospital, you know what it felt like to me? That's what it felt like. If you ever saw the movie Matrix, it felt like a Matrix download. Like God was like, all right, get ready. Here's what I'm going to do for you, man. You know, there's sprint faith and marathon faith, and I, you're going to live for more. You're going to have compassion for people. You're going to stop judging people, and you're not going to ask why. You're going to ask what for, and, you're, and, I, and, I, and I need you to realize you need to follow my prompt more because I'm speaking to you more through the power of the Holy Spirit, and guess what? I, I don't love here so much, Rob. You're loving here so How many know in that moment, I'm like, I'm taking it all in. And in one hour of holding a black envelope in the hospital, I'm learning more than years and years of Bible study. Okay, here's a few thoughts, and I'll move on from this point, but I just, well, probably I'll stuck here for a little bit, but I'm <laughs> just going to be honest, all right? Uh, what if you learn the deeper things of God not through more degrees, but through a battle with a disease or a disaster? 
People will say to the pastor, give us the deeper things. Give us the deeper things. Then I thought, what if I should start praying? Okay, God, bring on something. You know, bring on, let them get the deeper things because we're always thinking, it's like, if I can learn it more in the Greek and, and I'm not opposed to that, but they're like, I want that deeper. And what if God's like, well, I got some deeper things for you, but it's not degrees, it's disease and disasters. Are you ready? Do you still want the black envelope? You're like, no, thank you. I'd like to stay in the shallow end, Lord. Here's another what if. What if your hurt brings you heaven in a way that a trouble-free life never could have? What if your hurt brings you heaven in a way a trouble-free life never could have? All of a sudden, there's something going on. What if the hurts and pains are really weed killer in your life? Think about that. What if the black envelopes that God uses in our life, that the world throws at us, really is the weed killer in our life? What do I mean by that? The Bible talks about the cares of this world choking away your faith. The Bible talks about a parable of seeds sown on different soil and that the cares of this world, like somebody who was really excited about God, they really wanted to live for God, and all of a sudden the cares of this world came along and choked it out. And what if God's just trying to kill those things? It's really just weed killer. And he's saying, stop thinking about your house, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to do, your bucket list. Stop worrying about that. And all of a sudden, a black envelope comes your way, and it should be labeled weed killer. Because I can tell you this, in the hospital, I was not worried about my house or my car or my golf or this. I, I, was, I was not worried about those things. Those things weren't even on my mind in the moment of that crisis. All of a sudden, my whole worries list changed and as I leave there, I feel like, okay, God, you killed the weeds. Thank you, God, for killing the weeds. Thank you, God, for choking out the things that were going to choke me out. <laughs> but how many know that just like weeds come back real quick in your yard, you have to apply weed killer seasonally? <laughs> and, uh, man, I've already watched things that were so not important all of a sudden creep back in. And I'm like... I want, to, I, I, I want to pay attention to the weed killer that God applied to my life. And I, I'm just saying, all right, I hold this black envelope. We don't watch it. We'll be living a petty first world life. How many know that all of a sudden when you hold a black envelope, you stop living a petty first world life? You know, like my mocha was with 2% instead of skim. They totally blew it. <laughs> really? Seriously? That's your problem? Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't believe it. The signal is terrible on this phone. What is their deal? I can't believe I have the, you know, we're complaining. <laughs> I don't know, that's going to date me, but it's like, I remember when I saw a commercial years ago and they said, someday the phone will move with you. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, now it is. Now we're complaining about signal that's not strong enough or not enough memory. The long line at Target, we're like, I can't believe this. I mean, they should have opened another line. What's a problem? And, and we're going to talk to people about that? Really? <laughs> Hold the black envelope, please. Um, the camera angle on that selfie wasn't good, and I can't believe they posted that. Oh, man. <laughs> wrote this down. You may have 1,000 followers on Twitter, but be worthless next to someone on their deathbed. What do you want? I mean, you want to live in that world like, oh, I can't believe that. Or do you want to have something to say to somebody that's holding a black envelope? I want to have some depth in me. I want to be able to go through things so I have depth in this. And at the end of the day, I don't need retweets. I need peace in the midst of the storm. That's what I need. I need peace in the midst of the storm, not retweets and all these other things. And I just, man, what if the black envelope you've been complaining about 
you open it up and you had the courage to open it up, all of a sudden God said this to you. I, God, declare over you, you will know peace in the midst of your storm. You will have a voice to the multitudes in groups you never would have known. Your doctrines will become real. You will know love, joy, peace, kindness, faith. You will not just sing about those things. Your life will matter. How many would you open that black envelope then if you knew that was on the inside? And yet every time I see this, I see God says, you know what, I'm going to give you purpose to your pain. I'm going to help glorify my name by giving you purpose in your pain. And we'll talk about that next week, how people take their pain and take their black envelope and then read what God says in it. And all of a sudden they realize, God, I didn't know that. I didn't know that black envelope would get me into that room. I didn't know that black envelope would get me on that stage. Wow, you really do know what you're doing. You know how to repurpose my pain. Wow. Thank you, God. And then in a crazy way, we're thanking God for black envelopes that we were trying to avoid. And next thing you know, we're like, wow, my life has so much more meaning. Thank you, God, for the black envelope. And lastly, I'd say this. God is glorified when we get a black envelope and then we start to help others in their pain. How many of you know when you are hurt, when you struggle, when you face trials, all of a sudden you have a whole lot more compassion? When your perfect world gets ripped upside down and a black envelope comes your way and all of a sudden you have way more compassion. It just starts oozing out of you. And then that compassion leads to some sort of action and you start ministering to other people and you have empathy and sympathy. You feel their pain. You have compassion. And all of a sudden you realize, except for the grace of God, I could have that black envelope. And I want to minister to you in your black envelope because we've all held black envelopes. And you know what? It's an amazing thing when you start ministering to other people. You get to act like God. Because how many know that God ministers to us in things that we asked for and didn't ask for? And he says, if you call me for help, I'll help you in it. I'll help you in your struggle. I'll get you through it. And God's like, I will be glorified. I'll be glorified in your black envelope. I'll be glorified in the things you don't understand. In all things, in all things, I can work it for good. If you're called according to my purpose, if you're working with me in all things, I can turn it around and I will be glorified. That's what happens when God gets involved. And so as we wonder why, as we go through our life and we have these black envelopes, let's thank God for them. And let's say, God, help me to turn this around for your glory and for your honor. Instead of asking why, as I hold this black envelope, I'm going to say, what's this for, God? What's this for? Where's this going? What are you going to do with it? I didn't sign up for it. I, I didn't ask for it. I was actually trying very hard to avoid that black envelope. But now that I hold it, God, what's it for? What's it for? You may not have asked for it, but there's something bigger at work here. 
And I pray that God would be glorified in your sickness and in your health. I pray that God would be glorified in your healing and in your perseverance. I pray that God would be glorified in your riches and in your poverty, wherever it takes you. And I pray above all that God would be glorified in whatever black envelope you hold and you'd see it a little different and say, God, I desire to bring glory and honor to your name. So Lord, I just pray for all those that are here. And I pray that they would realize that they can bring glory and honor to your name. I don't know what black envelope everybody holds. I know we all hold different ones. And sometimes we want to trade black envelopes with other people. I wish I had theirs and not mine. That's not your plan. It's not your plan. You're going to work in us. We know in all things that you can work good. We know that that's what the word says. And we grab it. We believe it. We stand on it. And we say, God, whatever we've been given, may it bring glory and honor to your name. We just pray that, Lord Jesus. We pray for healing. We pray for perseverance. We pray for open doors that you'd repurpose our pain. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that above all, you would be glorified. We just commit as a church right now to say you are not our value add. You are not our value add. How disrespectful of us to say you are our value add. You are our everything. And we yield to you, God. You are everything. May you be glorified. May you be glorified. May every breath that we have bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.